Welcome to the Series Pod Podcast. I'm V. And I'm Andrew. Get your favorite beverage ready and join our book club. And welcome back to our new episode of Series Pod Podcast, where we talk about the Naked and Death by JD Robb in the In Death series. We're so glad to have you back with us. We will start by a we will start by Andrew going through the summary of today's episode as our new format as we're still checking out the new format of this podcast. Andrew, take it away. Um okay, so episode 5 we start with chapter 13. Um Eve is trying to find Sharon's diaries because we know that she has them. We know that they were used for blackmail. They're somewhere in the city. Or they're some they're just somewhere. She thinks they're in the city, but I think she's trying to go around further out. Um there's a new victim called Georgie Castle. She's killed the same way, but now the weapon is ID'd to Rourke, and you know, we're obviously very upset by this. Um but she's also different in terms of age range. So Whitney goes to Eve, you need to get him. Eve said she can't because he's off the planet, because obviously she was only one knew that she has to prove it so she calls him and basically shit hits the fan you know she kind of ruins the relationship a little bit i think you could tell from reading it (laughs) yeah for sure that was a that was a plane crash then we get the killer's profile from dr mira myra how do you say her name i say myra we get the killer's profile from dr myra as well as rourke slightly and eve questions rourke because she needs to know if everything's okay. Um, and Feeney proves that the weapon isn't his. He barges into her apartment after work. Obviously, that is not okay. This man has no issue. See what I mean by privacy? Doesn't care. Um, and they finally have the talk. Just to sort out their multiple issues. They're not even together and they have all these issues. What's going on? Rourke loves Eve. Yay! Although I kind of think we knew that. The senator is angry. And is trying to make the investigation go away. The DeBlasses are a mess. That is a quote from Viola. And Eve asked Rourke to break the law. But by using his unregistered security units to look into the senator. That is the rundown of the episode. (laughs) Yeah, that's the end of the episode, guys. Thanks very much. (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Can you imagine if we just stopped (laughs) And we're like, yeah, bye. That would be so wild. Like, wait, hold on, what? <laughs> so let's go back. Let's like, I like, I I like summarizing, but then I don't like it because it kind of spoils the surprise a bit. So like, I made so many flipping notes. Right, yeah. I mean, the notes that we made for the summary is keeping sort of the juicy parts out of it for us to discuss. Yes. Yeah. As much as it seems like we just gave away the entire. Yes, yes. No, there's still a lot to discuss. There, but this sets sort of the mood. So this episode is really packed in with a lot of things happening. We start chapter thirteen with Eve back at her office studying reports on um, bank search for Sharon. She's trying to find the deposit box, so she's searching everything. And one of the things is to go through her finances. Um, Eve is convinced that the diaries are a motive for the murder, which, well, sort of everyone at this point is on the same page that, yeah, probably. The more she thinks about the case, the more she gets uh, into the head of Sharon and how she operated 
she knows that Sharon was smart, so she wouldn't keep the diaries far away somewhere in case she needed them for blackmail ASAP. But she can't find anything or anywhere. Eve then thinks that if her mother knew about the diaries, then probably someone else in her family would know too. A family or close circle of friends would know too. She also detects that she probably used a fake name just in case for extra precaution. So just for the hell of it, the most simplest one that she could think of, Eve could think of was to type in Sharon Barrister, which is her mother's maiden name. So she typed in Sharon Barrister and the Pandora box opened. Not only we have a deposit box, but we also have a brokerage account with a lot of money. Bam, bam, bam. Yeah. We're talking like hundreds of thousands. Yeah, Eve runs away to get a warrant. Like, she's so quick on it. She's in Commander's office showing the list of names from the bank account. And we have the Simpsons name. It just says Simpson. So it's not like she can't use it without the backup of the diaries. But she is so sure that it is the chief. Yeah, I mean, everyone's sure. Eve and Whitney are on the same page that the chief is dirty and they have to work around him. And that's what uh, Whitney actually implies, which is why I like him. Yeah, he, he's stern, but he's, he's on the side of his people. And he's also smart. So now they have to find the diaries or any other concrete evidence that Simpson in the bank statement is Chief Simpson. Eve gets an email from the medica- medical examiner and it, it comes in just as random as the actual murder is the medical examiner sent her um, documents about the custard pie fiasco. Yeah, if you remember from the chapter before, she did lean in and sniff the pie, which I found a bit odd as well. It makes sense why she got it tested now. I don't know. I didn't find it surprising uh, because when she went to sniff the pie, I was like, okay, it's poisoned. Mm, Smells freshly baked. You did a good job here. Too bad he didn't get to eat it. (laughs) Top notch. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the examiner says that Eve was on point about the cause of death. Mm -hmm. And then we're back at her apartment complex and we visit the now widow. I mean, long story short, she basically poisoned her husband with custard pie that wasn't made for him. And she said, darling, don't eat the pie. Yeah, but she knew he would eat it. She knew she, she knew he'd eat it, yeah. So she did want to kill him. She was like trying to scapegoat, but also she's fine with having killed him. Like, she doesn't care. It was a bit of a wild trip in the middle of the book, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, she did use what was cyanide. Yeah. She wasn't trying to kill him, just make him very ill. Because if you put cyanide and you mix it with sugar, it counteracts the whole thing. Ah, fun fact, listeners. If you use more than 0.75 milligrams of cyanide, you will die. (laughs) Hi there, this is Editing V. If you want to find out about how Andrew knows this piece of information, as well as how I know a fact about the cyanide due to a fun Russian folklore story about Rasputin, this outtake will be available on our Patreon at patreon.com slash seriespod. Thank you so much for your support. We hope you enjoy. Now back to the episode. So she wasn't intentionally trying to, you know, kill him. It just ended up that way. But she doesn't seem to care. No, she was very nonchalant about it. Like, she wasn't upset. She was just sitting there, smiling, watching TV. Like I told him not to eat the pie. He ate the pie. So now he's dead. He ate the pie. He's dead. Technically, he killed himself. Like, sure. <laughs> I think that story was a bit of, like, it was unnecessary in the book, you know? I was quite happy 
without that. It took up a whole fucking chapter together. Like, what's the point? Well, I mean, I think the writer was trying to, you know, make things a bit more lively so that we're not on just one case throughout the whole thing but it was so random it's or is this supposed to teach us about gluttony mm, not really <laughs> i mean i still eat like a fat shit so that's not gonna teach me anything I, I was making tea just now and i was thinking to myself mm, i should go buy dessert after. yeah but also i feel like with you it's unfair because you burn for all of that those calories like nobody's business I mean, some people are blessed with genetics where they... But I can't put Such on muscle fish. either, so it's like a catch-22. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. I put my, on muscle really fast. But then I also mm-hmm. can't, you know, eat as many cookies as you like can. <laughs> and be okay with it. Oh, I feel like cookies now. <laughs> Eve, uh, I mean, she made a report uh, about the, the custard pie. Grabbed a bit to eat. Uh, when a call came through and an image of a dead woman appears on the screen and the message reads three of six so they rush to the address. She gets to the scene. The killer is gone. The blood is still warm. The body of a woman is on a bed as usual killed by the same method. The gun is left in between the woman's leg. The woman's name is Georgie Castle. She's a 53 year old licensed companion. Uh, she has a grey cat which a short time later Eve was with the cat in the kitchen you know they were chilling uh when the when eve hears a noise outside of the apartment it's uh, georgie's daughter samantha bennett trying to get into the apartment past the police eve tells samantha that her mother is dead she comforts samantha as much as she can obviously at this time we don't really find out much apart from that georgie is a divorced woman uh the family knows what she does for a living and there's no link that the daughter knows of between Sharon or Lola. Yeah, Georgie or Sharon or Lola, anything. And the other thing is like now, you know, Georgia is 53, whereas the other two were like younger, like significantly younger, you know? Yeah, we have a whole spectrum of ages now. Yeah. Uh, Eve goes back to the station with the cat. Whitney being, I think, a responsible human being, put surveillance on Eve's building, which is great, but I also don't understand why they didn't do that earlier. Yeah. I mean, wh- why should have done it after the first fucking disc? Right. At this point, we find out that the murder weapon is registered to Rourke. Eve obviously gets defensive. Whitney says, get him to questioning. Eve says she can't. That's when they uh, find out uh, where the murderer... He's not on the planet. (laughs) Yeah, he's not on the planet. But this is... I mean, I can't say this is good. A woman is dead. But this is where the murderer went wrong because he didn't know that Rourke was off planet. Uh, But the commander says, you know, she needs to prove it. Which puts her in a tough position, really. Because she wasn't even supposed to tell them that. Yeah, but Eve having that really high moral code that she has uh, in order to get the justice, she contacts Rourke through Somerset. Do you think it was moral code? I think it was more she wanted to prove he was innocent. Because everyone's judging her for sleeping with him. I mean, shit, even we were judging her. Rightly so. Yeah. No, but I think it is her moral code because she knows that Rourke is... Yeah, because she knows that Rourke isn't the killer. So she has to prove it no matter what. If, okay, uh, listeners, if you hear a cat purring, my cat has just decided to sit on my lap. Yeah, the kitty cat is here. Aww. Very cozy. He's like, it's bedtime, Dad. Let's go to sleep. No, no, no. Anyway, yes. So she calls up Rourke. Well, Somerset. Rourke verifies his whereabouts. 
Eve tells him uh, what's happening and asks him to come into question. He gives her cold goodbye, and that's that. That's the end of chapter thirteen. And oh, I mean, she has to cut his trip short because he had forty-eight hours to get there, and he was meant to be there for what a week, six more I days. Think, yeah, yeah. The whole thing is just terrible. So it was messy. It kind of like they kind of we were excited that they got to their relationship kind of status, not their relationship status, but like. They finally fucked. They got somewhere, right? And now it's like being destroyed. Yeah, like they just got over their sexual tension and they made at least some kind of progress. And now all of that just exploded right in front of our eyes. We start chapter 14 with Eve is Eve being shaken. But she's keeping it together, sort of, kind of, not really. But we do go to Dr. Myra's office the next morning to collect the profile of the killer. Because now that there has been more deaths, she... Yeah, she can build a profile and they get her involved. Uh, even though it's still code 5. Uh, so Dr. Meyer paints a picture that he's bold but not a risk taker. He gets off on the preparation execution rather than from the sex. Yeah. He uses prostitutes because it's a form of control. But the first one was probably an impulse because he's caught off guard by the fact that he's capable of something like this. Yeah. Because of the video that they received. Yeah, because I think she mentioned that he had that jolt and like that breath of like... <laughs> Or something like that, yeah. The one that we saw in our first episode that we talked about. He knows Eve very well. And he wants to upset her directly. So he's getting very personal about it. um, By having a gun registered on Rourke's name. Because he knows it would get to her. And Dr. Myra is concerned by his interest in Eve. Um, Eve is very much under the impression that her professional duties during the last transmission have completely destroyed whatever they were building together with Rourke. Yeah, she's pretty much like, I've destroyed it. That's it. It was very apparent. I mean, to be fair, if you like, if you read this, it does pretty much seem that way. It's not even a dun-dun-dun moment. It's just, oh, it was nice knowing you. <laughs> bye billionaire it was really nice thanks (laughs) she gets to Whitney's office and Rourke is there he said nothing which at this point I have in my notes saying (laughs) 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 how cold is that I don't even think he like is looking at her I think he's looking at Whitney no yeah he just sort of acknowledged with a simple like nod you know like a little head jerk but that's it they have an interview and oh it's antarctica he makes it so hard for himself yeah so at this point it's very apparent that his ego is hurt uh he's not making it easy on both of them eva is trying really hard to somehow get him out of trouble because she doesn't believe that he's the killer well she knows there's not because he was off planet but i mean the whole thing is just antarctica before it was cold now it's just that's it frozen ice cubes yeah before it felt kind of like a game that he would say stuff like like for example they talk about you know getting the gun from an auction and he you can use representatives to bid for you and he's like yeah you could do that but i don't do that and it's just like Instead of saying, I don't do that, he just, like, he's still playing a game, but he doesn't really care. And then they ask about, like, security codes, and he's like, oh, no, I, like, have the best security system. Even if you could get a hold of the gun, you wouldn't be able to leave the room. 
and you're sitting there reading like you're not fucking helping yourself exactly but luckily finney comes through and he does he does get that in the information from the auction place that it wasn't him it was very unlike him it's the first time in 15 years thanks finney uh they have nothing on him basically and they let him go Rourke is angry. Like, he gets so angry, he actually grabs her by her shirt. Finney gets involved, obviously, and tells Rourke to back off and sleep that Eve is taking a hit for him here. And then the chief is prepping her to be a sacrificial lamb because she's involved with him. That gets his attention. And, I mean, Eve is telling Finney to shut up, but he is like... You want to know more? Come into my office. And he points in the men's room. Because I assume that's the only place in the cop central that doesn't have, you know, cameras or... So we move forward to Eve in her apartment. She's bonding with a cat at home, not wanting to see anyone. I mean, understandably so because of the day that she had. Uh, She's very annoyed when she hears a beep from the door. It's Rourke. She's leaving it unsummoned and curled up on a couch. And then she hears her lock being disengaged by a master key. Cue a very mad Eve as Rourke busts in. Man has no respect for privacy. He has the most fucked up sense of it. I think for Rourke, a closed door isn't very private. A closed door means if I've got a key, it's not a closed door. (laughs) It's open. Yeah, I can go in and then see how it goes. They have a confrontation. He doesn't like being used to hurt her, but also didn't like being accused of murder. But he was mad because he thought that she believed that he killed someone. She's very vulnerable at this stage. And like a like a cornered animal almost, she reacts and hits him. He doesn't bother to block her. He just wipes off the blood of his face. <laughs> He's wild. Yeah, so he, I think he has been so focused on their relationship, he didn't see sort of the bigger picture of how much under pressure she was and how she couldn't tell him that she believed he didn't kill anyone because then it would have caused way more problems uh, with her, the higher management. But to him, again, it seems like it was just a game. Like, this whole thing was just like, oh, it's a murder, she'll solve it, and then we're just going to live happily ever after. Meanwhile, she's got, you know, a senator who hates her, the chief who wants to fire her, and she's sleeping with suspect number one, well, was suspect number one. Yeah, I mean, I think because he knows he didn't kill the woman. So he, I don't, he was very focused on Eve and I don't think he realized the picture that was on Eve's side. The third person perspective, yeah. Yeah. He was he was a bit blind to that. He apologizes and at this point she's just so over it, you know? She's like, ugh, you know, whatever. But they finally talk about their emotions a bit and make a breakthrough. And he stays the night. He stayed in her place though. Ooh, I bet he was like, oh, what is this? Nah, he's not like that. To be fair, you find out later in the books that he's nothing like that. He could probably sleep in a cave and be happy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's fi- it's good they finally spoke about their, their feelings. Finally, I mean, they really needed to do that. I oh, know, Jesus, it took long enough. And then we get a look into Rourke's state as well and his thoughts of Eve as he lays awake and watches her. He's very aware that Eve is able to hurt him and that she makes him vulnerable and that 
he hasn't felt that in a long time then he also with that thought in mind he goes to sleep and that's how chapter 14 finishes indeed right so chapter 15 we move on to chapter 15 as Eve wakes up in the morning to find Rourke gone and she's actually kind of relieved about it because morning intimacy made her very uncomfortable I can see that though like if someone stays the night like you should have gotten your uber by the time I wake up come on now get up (laughs) (laughs) yes but we also need to realize that at this point Rourke is in a relationship with Eve while Eve is not yet in on the same level of relationship she doesn't want to admit it she definitely is though yeah so he's in her kitchen making her coffee and looking very at home and she hasn't even realized this but it made her smile she tried to steer their relationship back to work which i mean after you've slept with this person so many times just give up yeah just accept this coffee like come on now accept the morning routine you know she's being all work and I don't do this kind of thing. Literally, you're too late for this. Yeah. She's already smiling, staring at him. Like, come on, lady. Let go. (laughs) It makes him angry. But I think at this point, he he understands her more than she knows it. So he he can read the room with her a bit more. You know, I think he also had more time to come in turn with his feelings towards Eve. Eve has, as we will find out, a lot of unknowns about herself that she hasn't come to terms with. While I think Rourke had a few more years to come to accept who he is. Yeah, but I think they're both kind of like learning to accept each other. Even asks her about who hurt her so much that all she identifies with is a cop and nothing else. And then I think in order for her to feel perhaps more comfortable or to get on the same page, Rourke shows her the button that he has been carrying around as a symbol, that he is as lost in this as she is. <laughs> She's obviously baffled by this, right? Who wouldn't be? <laughs> right? You what, you're just going to keep my button? All right. <laughs> And she does go to say the same thing that we've been saying, that he has a button fetish. <laughs> Obviously in a jokey way, like, oh, you have a button fetish now, Rourke? Yeah, like, is there a reason you're keeping this? Now, Andrew. Yeah. You have to tell me. What am I telling you? He goes to say that it's this, he's like a schoolboy that carries a lock of his sweetheart's hair around with him. Like it's the most normal thing in the world. Thoughts, feelings. <laughs> when I read that, my personal opinions, that was very serial killer-like. From an early sign that was, yeah, he's gonna grow up to be a serial killer kind of shit. Is that what people used to do in Ireland? Like, that... No, that's fucking weird. Right? I'm not the only one. Listeners, if you know what this is referring to, maybe it's like a, a, a fairy tale or, you know, an urban myth or an actual thing, do tell us. But to me, that is the weirdest thing ever. The thing is, though, where the fuck do you get the hair? You don't just go up to the person you like and, like, cut their hair. Exactly. Where does it come from? 
I need more information on the matter. The whole lock of hair was like very serial killer vibes. Um, I want to know where the lock of hair even comes from. You don't just walk up to the girl you like and just cut her hair. That's creep level a thousand. Mm, for sure. For sure. And then Rourke just goes and confesses that he thinks he's in love with her. Long time coming. Which <laughs> almost kills Eve, I think. <laughs> she then confesses that the killer is so invested in her that it's rubbing off on him. He questions her on what she means by that and she tells him about the case. And I think at this point of the day she just goes wacko with what she tells people. I will get to this point later on and it will be more apparent that she has no filter of what she says at that point of the day. Rourke is hella worried now. He does have a good point um, when he implies that what if the killer is so interested in her and knows her so well, like what is stopping him from making her the next out of six victims? Valid question. Valid question, very valid one. He asks if she would come to his place after her shift and she eventually agrees, like she puts up a, a little fight, but not too much. She is in a good mood until she gets to her office, where she sees Senator de Blas and Rockman there. So the senator now just wants the whole thing to go away, quietly no longer really caring about finding the killer, saying that it won't return Sharon, but is able to salvage what is left of the family, as they're all going through some harsh things. His wife even had a mental breakdown, and the doctors are like, well, we don't know if she'll come back from that one. He then has a very violent outbreak rockman tries to smooth it yeah i, th I thought he was gonna hit her for sure she baited him yeah eve this is what i'm talking about like she blurps things out eve full-on asks him head on about him tailing her why do that i i'm not exactly sure i think she's just fed up to be honest Actually, i mean she could have been yeah it doesn't seem like a smart move from trying to figure out if he's involved but i think she's just had enough now i don't know um she does also muse about Senator being the killer uh, with his violent tendency, but he doesn't quite fit the profile. And she does question your theory, actually, of multiple people saying that it's a shame that she's not looking for two men. And after the whole ordeal, she makes a call to Charles, the neighbor, the elevator handyman. The elevator handyman strikes again, guys. <laughs> strikes again. He's back. She asks him about the diaries. We find out that he knows of them, but that's about it. You know, he doesn't know where they are or... These diaries are a mystery. Yeah. Yeah. She, she hid them really well. Charles said that they... It was a weird thing that he said they didn't know of each other. They didn't know each other. But I guess they knew of each other because at some point Sharon contacted Georgie to pass on some of the clients to her yeah it seemed like they were kind of like sharing clients in a way or just like passing like once one was done the other would have kind of thing and for the first time in month on that day eve logs out of work right on the dot and goes to work she hit every dead end possible at work and she realized that she will have to go and ask Rourke for help and it didn't sit quite well with her not i don't think Asking for help in particular, but what she is going to ask him. And I don't think it was so with, with any cop because it's not going through the proper channels. Yeah. So Samad said opens the door, 
still very ugh, about Eve. Yeah. And this is the third time in a day. Honestly, maybe you're right and she's very fed up. But she questions him head on about why, what, what's the problem, Somerset. And Somerset's just like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Still looking at her like she's trash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's very testy today. Very, really into confrontation. Yeah, she's ready to go. Yeah. Rourke was lounging in the library with the cat. And one of the things I f- found interesting that books are now apparently a museum pieces. Yeah, because everyone has like, I'm, I mean, look at us. What, what do you read on your phone? I read on my phone. Yeah, I guess. But I, w- I have loads of books. I have a whole library at home. Like, I will never exchange a smell of an old book. Oh, no, never. Even though it makes me sneeze. But then you can see why that's like a, a treasured item in, you know, 50 years from now. Like the smell of a book. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, Love it. (laughs) Um, They muse over the idea of keeping the cat. We find out that Rourke taught himself reading after finding a copy of Yeats, which made me smile because I am a fan of Yeats myself. (laughs) (laughs) Same team. Um, Especially... Um, Viola's like yes me and Rock are on the same team bitch <laughs> he questions Eve about what is troubling her and she confesses that she wants to ask if he has an unregistered union, unit so that they can look into Senator and of course he does She's yeah she was asking like I know you have one I just want to see if you'd let me use it and he's like yes do it <laughs> yes he's very amused that she is asking this whole thing so seriously and so worried which to him is hilarious yeah she asks him if he still does illegal stuff because he does imply that darling this is the least illegal thing you can ask me to do or that i have done this is like something i do this is how i browse google (laughs) yes this is a simple day in the office yeah (laughs) so she does ask him about the illegal stuff and if he still does that he denies saying that he gains way more satisfaction from getting something done without breaking any i guess major laws which i totally understand in like a super corrupt world when you get shit done without you know having to do the same methods like yeah 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 yeah, for sure for sure has to be so satisfying you just know that you're untouchable that's that's just it and this is also the first time we hear about Rourke's uh, father who was a thief and not a very good one because he died in an alleyway somewhere in Ireland and they weren't very close so I don't think Rourke really had any relationship with his parents he seems like he he grew up with someone but not family like that Although he doesn't seem like strange to criminal activities, as we well know. (laughs) And that is the end of chapter 15 and the end of this episode. Yeah, this this episode was a wild ride. I thought last episode was a wild ride, but no. But then you go into this one and you're like, wow. It just gets better and better. But yeah, I really enjoyed reading these. um, Well, I enjoyed the whole books. But I think the last um, five, six chapters is really where we get um, into the fast pace of the of the case. Like for me, I don't I don't really enjoy reading, uh, especially like fiction books, 
these are the only fiction books that I've actually like read. And it's just kind of like at the start, you know, it's a little bit boring. It's interesting that, you know, starts with a murder, blah, blah, blah. But it quickly becomes kind of dull. And then I think the writer's done a really good job of like engaging you in the relationship. It's not been like girl loves man, man kind of like, eh. It's it's very much, you know, the opposite way around. They're all over the place with their relationship. My cat just attacked me. <laughs> Excuse you. <laughs> yeah their relationships all over um highs and lows and you don't know very much about either of them still yeah yeah so we are getting fed information by very small teaspoons but i don't mind it that's interesting i think it it works well yeah case and the murder and everything that goes around it works and i guess that's the end of the episode we hope you enjoyed it and thank you again to our patreon are they patreons or patrons patreons patrons Patreon. Thanks, guys, who are supporting us. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness, we're professionals. You can, you can. <laughs> we will never be called professionals. I mean, I just learned how to use my microphone today. <laughs> um, this episode is available at SeriesPod on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. If you're against the mainstream audio platforms for whatever reason, we're also on Podcast Addict and our website, link to which will be uh, down below in the description if you're watching us and listening to us on YouTube. And you can also find a link on our Instagram. And speaking of Instagram, for updates, more fun content, um, some I don't know questionnaires and all the other fun stuff that we do, contact. You can follow us there and if you have a personal favorite audio platform and we're not on it, uh, do tell us and I will do my best to get our podcast there. And before we go, a very, very, very special thank you to our patrons for supporting us. If you yourself want to support us too, you can go to patreon.com slash seriespod and in return we post the podcast there early as well as include some fun outtakes. Yeah, and there are quite a few now. <laughs> These last two episodes have certainly yes. <laughs> brought on some interesting content. <laughs> we have been expanding gradually, but quite fast through our outtakes. Once again, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye! Bye. <laughs>